Are you ready to witness greatness? College fans, welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. Different day, same recipe. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. We're setting you up with the information you need to watch your team win. Let's go! We're here to break it all down. Let's go, let's go. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Now, we're live from your tailgate. Here's Brian No. Oh, welcome in, everybody. It's the Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM Podcast. We'll have Jared Smith talking some college football, the lead betting analyst from PicksWise.com. Also, Bill Krakenberger in a bit to talk NFL. Sports handicapper from CrackWins.com. Very sharp, very sharp. Hey, new users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. I guess I should say myself, I'm Brian No. I don't know <laughs> If this is the first week I've said that, I'm not sure, but who cares? Jared Smith is with us to talk some college ball. Jared, we dive right in, man. Tasty matchup. Number seven, USC against number 16, UCLA. UCLA laid an egg against Arizona last week. Maybe a look-ahead spot. But they are getting two and a half, the Bruins are. They are a home dog against the Trojans. I don't know how many people are going to be in attendance here, but it's going to be healthier than what we've seen for previous Bruins home games in this one. Yeah, you just had your Ron Burgundy moment. I'm Brian No, with a question question mark there. Um, There's some question marks about this UCLA team after the – I don't want to say the effort. I think the effort was there. I just think the execution wasn't, especially on the defensive end. They let Arizona just run all over them. And this is a UCLA defense that has struggled at times, especially in a bend-but-don't-break fashion. And we use that cliche all the time, but there's data to back that up. UCLA against the pass outside the top 90 in success rate defensively, but a top 15 team in explosive pass defense. What does that mean? They're giving up a lot of successful plays through the air, but they're not the big gashers, the 40, the 50, the 60, 70-yard bombs down the field. And that's kind of what USC specializes in. So the question I have in this game, no Travis die, and that is absolutely huge because his usage rate besides Caleb Williams is the highest on the team, and he has that intangible leadership. Say what you want about Caleb Williams, Heisman candidate, blah, blah, blah. He's still basically a sophomore, and he's only started, I think, 20 or or 25 career games. Travis Dye is that experienced senior bringing that veteran leadership, and you saw what the USC team kind of rallying around him when he was carted off the field. Very unfortunate injury for him against Colorado. But again, what does that mean for this USC stable of running backs? Well, they're very talented. Austin Jones, Barlow, Brown. I mean, they, you know, these are all four or five-star kids. But we'll see if they're able to replicate that you know, production and that intangible leadership that Travis Dye brings to the table. On the other side of the ball, I think this is the largest mismatch of this game, UCLA's running offense against USC's defensive line. UCLA is a very physical football team, top five in almost 
every adjusted line yards opportunity rate, top 10 stuff rate, and sack rate. I mean, they, they are very good up front, and they are going to make life very difficult for a USC defense that has some pieces there, but they don't always play as one. And I think that's the advantage for UCLA in this game. I think they're more physical, and I think eventually that will win out. Now, could Caleb Williams play out of his mind and steal this game? Of course. That's how talented he is. But at the core matchup here, I think UCLA has an edge in the trenches, especially their offense against the Trojans' defense. Yeah, and the last three meetings between these teams have been score fests. It's neither can stop either. Last uh, three games, 87 combined points, 81, and then 95, 95 combined points. The total right now as we speak is set at 75 and a half at BetMGM. I don't know if you have that stat off the top of your head, Jared. It's somewhere in the 70 range, like what the the trend is as of late with games getting up to that high of a total, the under is hit at a staggering rate. It's going to be challenged in this game because it, it should be a score fest. Yeah, I've got when the total is uh, closes at 75 or higher, the under actually is about a 53, 54% trend. And this goes back to pretty far back, 2005. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, and that's a pretty big sample size with a total of 75 or higher. But that being said, we saw the Pac-12, Washington and Oregon play a game like this last week that stayed under. So um, I- I'm not immediately running to the window to bet the over just because the total is very high. Usually the-, the saying, if it's high, it's high for a reason, low, low for a reason, right? You're always supposed to bet under on the, the lowest total on the board and over on the highest total on the board. But I, I don't really subscribe to that line of thinking. Because I like to look at each game individually. And I'll be honest, the one nugget here, and I credit um, uh, Brad Powers, a fantastic professional college football better that, that, that does a lot of media, and he came out with this. And I didn't notice this because I didn't watch the UCLA-Arizona game. But the turf at the Rose Bowl is in bad shape right now. Oh, wow. They were yeah. slip sliding everywhere. So I don't know what the grounds crew is doing this week down there in Pasadena, but that is something to keep an eye on in this game if the turf is a little slippy, I don't want to be holding an over ticket. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. I thought the the trend was a little bit better to the under. It's just a little bit over 50% on the under yeah. when it's 75. Yeah. I just think this, I don't know if you feel the same way. It just feels like a Pac-12 thing. It's not if things will pa- fall apart for USC. It's just when. When it could be this Saturday against UCLA or next week against Notre Dame or if they're able to win out and get to the Pac-12 championship game. It just feels like something is going to go haywire for the best chance the Pac-12 has to get to a college football playoff berth. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's Utah. And we'll get to them in a minute, but I I have been – and Utah, let's be honest, they've underachieved our expectations this year despite the fact that unless they lose to Colorado next week, which is not going to happen, they will go over their, their, their preseason win total of eight and a half. I think it closed nine, so some people might push. And if they win this week, then, then, it, then they'll definitely go over. Um, I, I, Utah is the spoiler here because they've got two losses, and one of them was bad early in the year to Florida. And I could absolutely see them spoiling the party, winning the Pac-12 championship. And, uh, you know, you're not going to send a two-loss Pac-12 champion to the, to the college football playoff, unfortunately. Yeah, let's get to that game. So we've got number 10, Utah, against number 12, Oregon. Both are 8-2. and two. you got the Ducks, small favorites at home, favored by 2.5 at BetMGM. The question is Bo Nix. 
Bo Nix got banged up at the end of the loss against Washington last week. He's got an ankle injury. There is some speculation that he's going to give it a go, but he's probably not going to be his true home Bo Nix self in this game. And if that's the case, man, an Oregon plus two and a half could be looking pretty at the end of this one. They've been great on the road. They're 5-0 and against the spread since the start of the 2017 season. I know that's a dated trend, but they are 3-0 and against the spread as an underdog. That's a more recent trend. And they played well the last couple of weeks. We're seeing them play their best football of the season as is typical of a Kyle Whittingham team, they seem to close strong. Yeah, and I, I love Kyle Whittingham as a head coach, and I, I like Dan Lanning a lot too, but let's be honest, the experience on the sidelines absolutely goes to Whittingham in this spot. And this has been a matchup historically, maybe not historically, but last year, that was absolutely dominated by the youths. And it was the physicality that Utah brought to the table that really frustrated Oregon. A little more flash Flash in the pan kind of offense last year, and it was 38-10, 38-7 in the Pac-12. I mean, it was domination from the Oregon Ducks side of the field when it comes to trying to move the football against Utah's defense. Well, Utah's defense isn't quite the same defense as last year. And the thing that is intriguing, we mentioned this a few weeks ago when Utah kind of was suffering some pretty soft, you know, pretty decent talent on the defensive side of the ball. They had lost a couple pieces, but they still had, you know, pretty good players up there. We're really struggling against the run. And what that did is that opened up the pass. And now Utah is outside the top 100 in passing efficiency on the defensive side, despite having Clark Phillips, who's arguably the best corner in the country. So it's kind of this cat and mouse game with Morgan Scally. You load up the box to stop the run. Well, now you're susceptible in the secondary. We'll see schematically how Utah approaches this game. But you're right. Bo Nix is the key here. This line flipped. We're recording this on a Thursday. On Wednesday afternoon into Wednesday evening, we started to see steam into the market. One and a half. Oregon flipped to now. A pick them, and now Utah's the favorite. And yep. Utah's actually, I don't want to say sizable favorite, but when you go from Oregon minus three on Monday to now Utah minus two on yep. Thursday, that's a pretty significant move. And my guess is if Bo Nix does get announced out, this will get through that key number of three. But I would be very careful making a bet based off of speculation. In fact, we just saw this situation play out a few weeks ago with Utah. Nobody knew Cameron Rising was hurt. All of a sudden, he doesn't play in the game against Washington State. Line goes haywire about 30 minutes before, and it's just really tough to get any information that's solid about these injuries at the college level. So I think this game, to me, is a stay away until we get some definitive news on Bo Nix. If it does get to Oregon plus three, maybe through that key number of three, I'm sure there will be some appetite to bet the number, not based off context, but just based off of number as a home dog. But I'll be honest. I think this is a Utah spot, even if Bo Nix plays. I really like the physicality Utah brings to the table. A little concerned about the schematics, as I mentioned, with the defensive coordinator, Morgan Scalley. But I do think, in my eyes, Utah is poised to pull this upset off. It's not an upset anymore. But if it was Bo Nix, I still think, especially if I was getting three, I would consider the Utes. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think about the line movement in this one. We always talk about closing line value. And what's interesting about this is that Utah, like you said, is now the favorite. They're favored by two on the road. And you could think, ah, oh, man, I should have got Utah plus three or Utah plus two or whatever. And now they're minus two. But, you know, as you just said, it could still be going 
in their direction where they're favored by three. So if you hopped, if you wanted to, if you take your advice and you like the Utes in this game regardless of Bo Nick's status, if you get them at minus two, it still might, might be some closing line value if it ticks up to three. So the point is I, I would compare it to like taking a road trip. If you're driving and you're looking at gas prices, and let's say it's at three dollars, and then you're driving north and it gets up to three ten, you could think, man, I should have got it at three dollars. But guess what? You drive fifty more miles, it's going to be three twenty five. You know what I mean? So getting three ten is better. So I think that about Utah right now at minus two, I don't expect that to change. I don't think that. Bo Nix is all of a sudden, there's going to be news that he's going to be like his home Bo Nix self. So I think there's going to be more money on Utah if anybody in this spot. Yeah, we should coin home Bo Nix. <laughs> Trade market. Um, another element to this game that I think is fascinating, Utah's offense has been really good this year. They've scored a bunch of points in a bunch of different games, but it's really been Cameron rising. The one thing we saw last week against Stanford, I know it's one game, and I know it's Stanford, Tavian Thomas has reemerged, and he's had a very interesting career, very up and down throughout the course of his tenure in Salt Lake, but career-high 180 yards on the ground against Stanford, and I'm not going to say he's going to repeat that against Oregon's defensive line, which is pretty stout, certainly much stouter than Stanford's, but to me, if you have a ground game that can at least take some of the pressure off Cameron Rising, get him in more play-action boots and waggles on the edge where he can be a little more effective with the defense kind of honing in on the run, I do think that's going to create some problems for Oregon secondary because what did we see last week with Washington? Oregon can be had up top. Now, I don't think Utah has the quote-unquote dudes to do what Washington did. Washington's got some serious talent at wide receiver, and I think Michael Penix at his core – a better pure passer than Cameron Rising, but I love the tight end matchup with Dalton Kincaid. He's actually the leading receiver on this Utes team with 50 catches this year. And keep an eye on Devon Ville. Ville. I, I apologize if I mispronounce his name. He's been trending up of late. He's the one guy on the outside, six foot five receiver, 24 years old, sophomore. He served a LDS mission in Samoa, so he has a lot of life experience, and he's starting to play a little bit better, and that's the one thing Utah's been lacking this year is that playmaker at wide receiver. Of course, Kincaid's a stud at tight end, and they lost Dalton Keithy, their other star tight end, um, you know, early in the year with an injury, but if they do get Vile and maybe another guy on the outside that can create some problems for this Oregon secondary, which again has been susceptible at times this year, I think it makes this game a lot easier for Cameron Rising, who's obviously going to be have a lot of responsibility on his shoulders in Autzen on Saturday night. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I always think about the potential ripple effect in any game. And if Hombo Nicks, hashtag it, if he's not feeling like his Hombo Nicks self, then you might see a couple of three and outs. This is an Oregon defense that has been very leaky. Yeah. And you saw it last week. This is a very physical Utah team. You talked about UCLA being physical, and they are. So is Utah. So just think about Oregon's leaky defense. They're giving up an average of 34 points this season to ranked opponents. 34 points. So imagine if there are a couple of three and outs. Oregon's offense isn't as prolific as it typically has been. And that Ducks defense is tired out even more against a very physical Utah team. That is not a good recipe for the no. Ducks, plus two or outright or anything, I think, in this one. Let's yeah, shift over really to one more here, Jared. You got something on that? Week one, and, you know, we were on Utah that week. It, 
this Utah team is like one fumble in the red zone away against Florida from really being in the playoff conversation. Mm. And it, it, it's unfortunate. And, and that's why I'd like to – I mean, we've talked about this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again on Saturday. The 12-team format gives a chance for a team like Utah that, in my eyes, is deserving of you know consideration for the playoff, but because of the four-team format – Two losses just isn't going to make it happen. In the new format, Utah wins out. They're in the playoff. And mm-hmm. I, I think they're a well-coached team with an absolute star at quarter. I mean, Cameron Rising's a star. And I, I, not a lot of people know it because they play in a conference that doesn't get a lot of pub. And, of course, you know, he's, he's just not a, you know, a flashy quarterback and he's not going to be on the Heisman podium. But Cameron Rising deserves a lot of national attention. And maybe he'll get some this week and then, of course, in the Pac-12 championship game going forward if Utah can win out. Well, let's move to a team getting a lot of national attention after last week. That would be TCU. Horned Frogs are number four in the country. They take on Baylor. Baylor is a home underdog, plus two and a half. But TCU, when a lot of people were taking Texas last week, and I get it, the metrics, the analytics, all that information was favoring Texas, and TCU said, take your metrics and shove them because they absolutely shut down down Texas the entire game. Texas didn't score an offensive touchdown. But now, you go on the road, you take on Baylor. Baylor at 6-4 and four is a, a tough matchup for TCU where it's the tight sphincter theory that I have here, Jared. When you get closer and closer and closer to the finish line, meaning a college football playoff berth, maybe you start to grip a little bit if it's a fourth quarter game, if it's a one possession game late. But if TCU's defense... Plays like they did last week going forward, they're going to be in the playoff. The question is, can they do that? That was a a master class performance by TCU's defense last week. And we talked about this before we hopped on. If you would have said, okay, Jared, we're betting on Texas this week, and I can give you a glimpse into my crystal ball into the future with 20 minutes remaining in the game, basically late third quarter, TCU's offense will only have three points. How do you feel about your Texas bet? Uh. <laughs> I'd be running to the window to try to bet more on it. And it could not have been further from the truth. With 20 minutes left in that game, I felt like I wanted to rip up that ticket and use it as toilet paper because Texas was so bad offensively. Sark just got his, he just got his brain kicked in uh, by TCU's defense. Now, I don't know if it was scheme, if it was effort, if it was talent, I, I, I can't explain TCU's defense, which is outside of the top 80 in so many categories. And by so many metrics, they are just not a good defense. Yet they held this Texas team basically in check. Now, this matchup, I hope, will go a little differently. And it is kind of ironic that despite that game last week, the market is still disrespecting TCU. I mean, they are less than a field goal favorite on the road, granted, against an unranked opponent. Yeah. They are a top five team. I mean, it, 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 I don't recall a time in the market that has been this. And I, I don't remember the exact number, but last week, the, the length of, or the, you know, the size of the favorite being against the top five team against, an, you know, against a team that was outside of the top ten. It was like the biggest favorite ever in that spot. You know, I don't remember. I don't recall what the exact metrics of it were, but it's like a historic fade for TCU in the market. So you have to ask yourself, is this the week that TCU is going to slip up? Well, Dave Aranda is a pretty good coach, 
And despite that very uncharacteristic loss last week to Kansas State, which they just got their doors blasted off too, I I do believe in this Baylor front, especially the offensive line, which has gotten really good push this year and has faced a pretty difficult schedule. And I I feel like Baylor is a live dog in this spot. I know two and a half isn't exactly a massive underdog pick, but it just – to me, I, I, I don't believe in TCU, and the, the handicap is the same as it was last week. Nothing about last week's game changes my feelings here because I just don't think that TCU defensive performance is reputable, and I think, to me, I, <laughs> Baylor offense cannot play any worse than Texas's offense did last week. Blake Shapin needs to play well, and, and he's been a struggle this year. Eight picks, you know, through an opening drive pick against Kansas State, and, and then it just kind of unraveled from there. We'll see if he polishes things up this week. But Dave Aranda, I could see his defense shutting down this air raid of TCU. And that's, to me, the defensive you know, mindset for this Baylor team, I think, you know, plays into what this game will be. And it's an, it's an afternoon game. It's actually yeah. an 11 o'clock kickoff locally in Waco. And TCU struggle a little bit defensively early kickoffs. 31 points at West Virginia, gave up 31 points at Kansas, gave up 34 at SMU, all on the road all in that early window. So I, I know it sounds crazy after what we saw last week, but I think Baylor, to me, is, is very, very live in this spot. They are live, and think about it, Baylor being 6-4, and four, this can make their entire season. Absolutely. One game, one win against a top-five team. So it's always a dangerous spot when a team has had a disappointing year but could make up for it with one great performance, or just good enough to get a win. So we'll see how that shakes out. Very much looking forward to that. That's on Big Fox. By the way, Fox Sports Radio, check us out. Saturday, countdown to kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Three hours, right up until that noon p.m. Eastern window. So 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, we get you all set for all the games. Tasty. Week, what is this, 12? 12. Wow, 30 dozen. crazy. Week 12 slate of games. It'll be myself, Brian No. Jared Smith from PicksWise.com and our guy Rich Ornberger, the Penn State All-American. Check us out on Saturday. Earn a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sports books. We'd like to welcome in now Bill Krakenberger, sports handicapper from CrackWins.com, joining us here on the podcast Let's get right to week 11 here, Crack. Carolina at the Ravens. The Ravens are minus 13. They are 13-point favorites in this one. No, uh, P.J. Walker has a high ankle sprain, which is like, did he finish the game last week against Atlanta? Whatever, he's out. Baker Mayfield yeah. is in. Are you taking the 13 points and run, running with Baker and the, the Panthers in this spot, Crack? Well, I'm not laying it. I can't believe Baltimore is this high, actually. This game opened up. By the way, this game opened up on a, on a look-ahead line at about nine, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, up to 13 now, maybe because of the situations you mentioned there. Carolina, listen, they beat Tampa, right? I mean, yeah. this is uh, this is a game that you, were on, you and I actually were on the opposite sides here. Not on it. I didn't bet the game. But I just – Carolina getting double digits. I know they are they're, – they're just a wounded team, but they're still – situations like that happen, like, like, like that Tampa Bay game, 13 sounds like too many points, but you know, maybe Baltimore will, uh, you know, they, they're due for a big game. So this might be it. This might be, this, this might show that where they belong. They may be that 
wild card type of uh, – I'm talking about odds-wise now. Like I said, Buffalo and Kansas City you could throw out. There's got to be other teams you throw in then. Maybe a Baltimore, maybe a Minnesota. You can still get double digits on these guys to, to, to be in the Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl. So we're going to see what's going to happen here this weekend with them. Yeah, I wonder if that's, I don't know, baked into that line. Do you ever see this crack where going back two weeks ago, the last time Carolina was on the road, they got crushed by Cincinnati, and that was without Jamar Chase. Remember it was like 35 nothing. Right. Do you think that's baked yeah. into this current line, Carolina at Baltimore? Probably. happened two weeks ago? Probably. Yeah, pro- probably looking at that game. And uh, they weren't going against, like you said, uh, Cincinnati didn't even have their star wide receiver that game. So they uh, automatically say, wow, if that happened, then what, what what's Baltimore going to do with them? You know, what's, right. what's Lamar going to do with them? So uh, you're right. It, it probably is. I, I'm not on this game. I'm not betting the game, but I'll tell you what. Tell me how many times during the season you're going to find a double-digit dog, especially – I'm not that it's a key number. We know 3, 7, 6, 10. I'll even throw 13 in there as maybe the eighth choice or something. As these key numbers, you don't ever find a 13-point a, a spread with only a 41-point total. Oh, my God. You, you never see it. You never see it. You know, this may be one of those, and I haven't even looked at this yet. I'm just, this is going to be live here on the show. I, you might have to give me Baltimore and over correlated first half parlay. A minus the seven, over 21. I, if a sports book's going to take that from me, I may bet that. I may bet the minus seven over 21. And you see the correlation there because, you know, even though you're, you're only getting 13 to five on a parlay, you're actually, if you're going to cover the seven, chances are the game's going to go over the 21 points first half. So there's something I'll be deeply looking at coming at the going going into Sunday. Nice. How about this one? Philly at Indianapolis. And the way I think about this crack is it's a good spot if you want to bet the opposite of last week's results. Where if you think about the Colts first game with Jeff Saturday as the head coach, they beat the Raiders. They were a, a laughing stock, a total joke going into the game, then they won the game. And so maybe there's overreaction to that. And then you think about the Monday night game, Philadelphia with four turnovers, they lose outright to Washington as a double-digit favorite. And so you look at this current matchup, Eagles at the Colts, Eagles are favored by six and a half. So if you want to bet against last week's results, you're betting against the Colts who won, you're betting on the Eagles who lost their first game of the year. What do you think about that? Well, you had a three and five uh, Indianapolis Colts team that literally, I thought if they lose that game, they're just playing for like you know draft picks next year. Next year, go on the road. I think the game was in um, in, in I think yeah, I'm almost positive it was in, it was in Vegas. Yeah, it was, a and game. just was it was it in Vegas? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Vegas is just that just shows how terrible Vegas is. Two and seven, yeah. Las Vegas Raiders. Jesus. Um, you know, I'm rooting against them the whole season, though. But as far as the Colts go, this game maybe turned around their hopes for the season. L- listen, the AFC South's nothing great. I mean, um, Tennessee's supposed to lose tonight, supposedly, right? Versus uh, Green Bay, they're six and three. They could be six and four. Here, you can have Indianapolis five and five if they win this game. Uh, they're 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 playing for something now. Um, you know, maybe under this new guy, Jeff Saturday. Uh, they, they got a little bit of a 
a renowned hope, and, and, and hopefully they can do something situationally. I'm not looking to lay the Eagles on the road, that's for sure. I'm definitely not. But, um, you know, the Eagles may be upset about last weekend, too. This was a – that was a big game for them. They were, they were double-digit favorites, losing to Washington. They're not supposed to lose that game. Like you said, four turnovers, and uh, this, this, this situation – really warrants a, uh, a probably a better game than we think it is. Probably going to be a better game than we think, a good game to maybe even watch. We'll see what happens. I wanted to get your opinion on this, Crack, where as we speak right now, there are six games where the point spread is exactly three. And that just stands out to me as I look at all these games. And so uh, what's your takeaway when it comes to that? Like, obviously, it's a parity-driven league. We get all of that. But from a betting perspective – are you more likely to hone in on some of those games? If you like value, like either laying the three or taking the three, I'm sure you'll bet it. But do you start to go away from that and say, ah, it could be a push, land right on the number, let me look at a different game? How do you approach that? It's the reason why I like to buy on or off of three. If I'm betting a favorite, I like to bet the two and a half. If I'm betting a dog, I like to take three and a half, especially on the lower totals. So if you're talking a game like, like the Jets, New England, yeah, 38. Oh, my God. I am definitely um, I'm looking on, the, on my screen in front of me. That I, I see threes and three and a, three and a half. So I do my line shopping. If I want New England, I'm looking to lay that three. Um, you know, so I'm looking to actually see if I can even buy it to two and a half. Now, the minus three is minus 15 already. I'm not real too keen on going with the minus two and a half minus 35. Boy, I'd rather just look in that case. I'd rather just look at the money line and lay like the 165 on the money line than having to buy it down to minus 135. Uh, on the other side of, of the ball there, plus three and a half, that maybe four or five shops already, um, I, I would look to take the three and a half. Same thing with um, the, these totals, um, these other games that have low totals. I, I'm, I'm looking to, to go uh, also the same thing, especially the lower the total, the more valuable those points are. So uh, I, I'm looking to – Either lay money line or I'm looking to be two, minus two and a half or plus three and a half. By the way, I love this line. I just have to mention it. Dallas at Minnesota. Minnesota has lost one game. They had a miraculous win last week. They're home underdogs. <laughs> they are home underdogs. Right. Plus a point right, and a half right, right. against the Cowboys. I, what do you think about that? What's your reaction to that line? Uh. Wow, I'll tell you, this, this this is the game of the week. I'm, it's prime time. No, no, it's not prime time. It's prime. It's, it's the later games. One of the three later games. It's the later game to watch. Obviously, you have Denver, Las Vegas, garbage. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, keep that. Minnesota, Dallas, game of the day. Probably even looking at the whole schedule. Probably the game of the day. Not not in the game of the not even the game of the late games. This is the game of the day to watch. Line opened up two, down to one and a half. Listen. I shouldn't say down to one and a half. It opened up two. It's like two, one and a half, one. It's the same. The total opened up 47 and a half. It's still 47 and a half. This is the game of the week. I'll be rooting for Minnesota uh, because I have Dallas Futures, which I'm a dog right now, and I have under on Dallas season wins. Uh, this is, this is going to be the teeter-totter week that I need to uh, – I need Minnesota to beat them. So um, it, it should, should, be, uh, should, should be good. Uh, should be a great game. Would you say? Uh, would you say Minnesota is the team that Vegas is most skeptical of? Again, they're one loss team. 
and they're a they're a home underdog yeah. in this one. Yeah, I, no, Vegas isn't huge are, on the yeah. Giants. There are a few other teams, but you think Minnesota's on the top of the list? Well, I'll tell you, they're like the fifth choice. I mean, look at their record. They just but now they just had a legit game, so they had some easier games. You know, Lions, uh, Saints, yeah. Bears. They even uh, I guess Arizona, Washington. This Buffalo game was a very big game for them. So now the people are looking more serious at them. If they beat Dallas, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, huge game. Absolutely huge yep. game. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's live betting, the Daily Lions boost, or the cash out feature. New users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. All right, make sure you check us out on Sunday. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Bill Krakenberger, you just heard all of the insight. He'll have picks and information galore. We'll have Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran. He does a really great job, too. I'm Brian Nell. I'll be along for the ride. So that's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time, leading right up to kickoff. We'll get you all set for Week 11.